I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, we're talking about some of the best stories of 2021 to start 2022. I'm talking about a real-life Gregor Samsa and amazing animal friendships and the end of a rather controversial zoo that you probably all remember from the pandemic times. Remember that? Anyways, joining me today is friend of the podcast, fan favorite, our producer, and podcast extraordinaire, Joelle Monique. Welcome. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited to hear what stories you have for me today. Yeah, yeah. I thought I would just, you know, start off 2022 by doing some fun, fun news stories that are good and good news and also... I think uh, makes me feel like 2022 is a fresh start to hopefully, mm. maybe, mm. <laughs> hoping. I I feel like maybe I have reached the stage of pandemic where I'm just very contented to still be here. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think good news is perfect. <laughs> because yeah. Because we really need it. We really just need some positive news. And uh, we'll see what happens. I no longer can hold expectations. Yeah. For out Three years in a row, I've been like, it's almost over. Oh, nope. Right yeah. back into the pot I went. I make I make no <laughs> I make no guarantees that 2022 is going to be the year. But uh, it's a year. So, you know, we'll, yes. we'll make the most of it. We still got to live. I feel it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and so I feel like the energy that I want to bring to 2022 is giant bugs. Um, Joel. Okay. That's an interesting good news place to start. Giant I mean, bugs. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Well, uh, giant extinct bugs, which may be okay. a relief to some people, may be disappointing to others. Uh, but the fossil of a giant millipede 
called Arthropleura was discovered, and it was confirmed it was the largest terrestrial invertebrate known in history. So, the biggest bug, the biggest bug. So, they lived in both North America and Europe about 300 million years ago, and the new fossil was found on a beach encased in sandstone in Northumberland, England. (laughs) So, uh, the fossil itself was actually discovered back in 2018, but the results of the geological study was just recently published, which... Uh, you know, because science actually takes a little bit of time, I guess, you know? You got to actually do the research right. and the work and find out that you can't just be saying stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just imagine someone with like a little dust dustpan going up to this fossil, <laughs> d- dusting it off, getting out a little measuring tape and then going, hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, hmm, checks out, big bug, it's a big bug. It's a big bug and we're done. Science completed. <laughs> it's probably a little more complicated than that. But so let's, let's talk about this big bug. Uh, you know what a millipede looks like, right, Joel? It's got a million legs. Mm. Not really, but yeah, kind of. But that's what the Latin, I think, uh, kind of thing is. The millipede, million feet kind of thing. But yeah, not or, or a thousand feet. It, But it's not. Uh, it is not a thousand feet. Um uh, but it is a lot, and they're segmented, and sort of uh, they look like sort of the insect version of a train with a lot of little train cars, I guess, is how I imagine Sure, it. sure. No, I see it. So yeah, a millipede, like a centipede, but friendlier, I, I think. Uh, but imagine <laughs> one of those millipedes, but the size of a car. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, no, no, just like, you know, think about it. Think about, you know, your car, but it's a, it's a big old bug with a bunch of, bunch of different little segments. Maybe each one of them. That's what horror movies are made well, of. Well, what if each one has a little saddle on it, right? And you and your entire crew can, like, get on this millipede. Um, I would make it, like, the busy world of Richard Scary. So there's just an <laughs> apple and then... The millipede, I guess, and then it's just transportation. Yeah. And okay, maybe. Yeah. What What can I do to get you on one of these bad boys today? <laughs> throwing, throwing a bunch of little little socks for it, little little running <laughs> shoes, so it goes super fast. I want to say less feet, but then I I feel like that would not um be good for it. I feel like it would be upset that it didn't have as many feet. Yeah, I think it needs those feet, right? Because it's got this kind of undulating motion where it it's almost like it moves in kind of these waves of feet stomping. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um so uh the fossil found was actually just a fragment of a larger creature, but because they know how many segments that Arthropleura had paleobiologists were able to put together an approximate total size of the specimen, which was 8.5 feet or 2.6 meters long, about 2 feet or 55 centimeters wide, and weighed 110 pounds or 50 kilograms. So, you know, respectable. Wow. 150 kilograms. Or no, 50 kilograms and 110 pounds. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. 
The 110 pounds things means I could take it in a fight, and that's a yeah. little more helpful. Or pick it up okay. and give All it a right. hug. If uh huh, <laughs> that's an option. <laughs> At its size, it probably lacked predators. You know, I don't blame the predators for not wanting anything to do with that thing. Uh, their diet is unknown, but based on its size, it was estimated it probably ate a variety of vegetation, seeds, and fruit to get enough uh, nutrition. So, probably... Okay, I like that it wasn't hunting animals. You know, sometimes creatures, when we go back into its prehistoric age and they're larger, you know, maybe they're more carnivorous. Uh, and I don't like that. I don't, I don't need bugs that eat. People that are still <laughs> you don't alive. need a giant the world's biggest bug to have the world's biggest appetite for human flesh no no that's like when i found out about the largest bird that ever lived and how it could just scoop up a fully grown man and disappear into the night uh <laughs> uncomfortable uncomfortable with with those statistics yeah, the the terror bird or the terror bird was the terrestrial one and then there was the argentavis magnificence which was the real big flying bird uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, we're actually going to talk about birds in relation to this thing just a little bit. Oh, joy. In terms of like why it went extinct. If it had no predators, uh, it was this real big bug. It seemed like it had a good plan. And one reason is the change in oxygen levels uh, in the Earth's history. Oh. So uh, during the Carboniferous period, which was about 300 million years ago, when these giant bugs roamed the earth, the oxygen levels were way higher. There was a higher concentration of oxygen in the atmosphere. Uh, And the reason this was important for large bugs is based on how insects breathe. So humans and mammals and birds and reptiles breathe through like a single trachea and we have lungs. And we suck in oxygen that way. But adult terrestrial insects actually take in oxygen through many holes, uh, which are called spiracles. So these are... What? Yeah, these are small holes and tubes all over their bodies that distribute oxygen to their tissues. I had no clue. Yeah, they're kind of like Swiss cheese when you think about it, Uh, but little tiny, tiny holes. And the holes can't actually be too big because if they're too big, then you just got like a donut and not an insect. And that's not structurally stable, Uh, which actually creates a problem the bigger the insect is. Because if you want to get oxygen to all the tissue in the big insect, you need uh, longer holes uh, and wider holes. So... If they're too wide, then the insect is no longer structurally stable. Too many holes. So what you need is a higher concentration of oxygen so that the tubes and spiracles can remain narrow, taking in less air, but still getting enough oxygen distributed to its tissues. So that is why there used to be giant dragonflies and giant millipedes and now no longer. Uh, But there's actually a couple other factors that make it a little bit of a more complete picture. And one is that it may have actually been necessary for the bugs to be this big because the oxygen was so high, including in the water, that aquatic larvae, like some insects like dragonflies, they actually start out 
in the water as these like aquatic uh, little babies. And then they metamorphosize into adults that leave the water. And so adult insects can actually close their spiracles in order to regulate how much oxygen they're taking in, but the larva cannot. So they can actually get too much oxygen, oxygen toxicity. There's too high of a concentration in the water and they're too small. So more oxygen in the water favored larger larvae so they could survive. And larger larvae means larger adults. And then there you go. Got big bugs. Wow. I didn't know, like, I realized that, you know, the amount of oxygen in the air had, like, fluctuated over time. But it didn't click, like, how large the impact would have been on the creatures alive then. That is fascinating. Are we essentially saying, like, they choked out? Like, when we were talking about um, (laughs) the fact that they have, well, I mean, like, listen, there was a lot. Now there's less. If there's less oxygen for me, I'm essentially suffocating and dying. Is that what's happening to them? I mean, very slowly, I think. And there, there right, was, right, not immediately, not a not switch. immediately. <laughs> so it would actually, and so you'd see really more these selective pressures to get smaller. So instead of these big bugs suddenly collapsing, you know, they would the bigger ones would not fare as well as the slightly smaller ones, and so on and so forth. Um, also, birds. Uh, you mentioned birds earlier. The presence of birds mm-hmm. may have, and other tetrapods, or not other tetrapods, but tetrapods in general, may have had a big impact on these big bugs because the birds, first of all, could potentially catch bugs that were like medium sized but not super maneuverable. Sure. And then for the larger ones, birds may have outcompeted the carnivorous bugs. And, uh, yeah, just generally birds were great and did a lot better than these big bugs. And the big, the bugs had to kind of, uh, both with the combination of the presence of birds, tetrapods, and the lower oxygen were just like, fine, we'll get tiny, whatever. Man, I'm trying to imagine an alternate universe where the birds didn't win and now we just have, like, giant cockroaches and yeah. trees. Yeah. Ah, thank you, birds. I really appreciate <laughs> you winning. Uh, you're much easier to look at, even though sometimes you still terrify me. This is uh, yeah. definitely take bird supremacy. This is part of my long term plan of indoctrinating Joel to actually like birds because I don't. <laughs> it's if, working. For those of you who don't remember, Joel doesn't like birds, which uh, I cannot. I simply can't accept that. You know, I, I generally, <laughs> I generally try to keep an open mind about people who don't love the animals that I love, you know, it's like, oh, you don't like naked mole rats. Yeah, they kind of look a little, you know, a little bit wrinkly and strange. But, you know, birds, you, you got to love them. And I won't accept that. I, I simply won't. I'm coming around slowly <laughs> but surely starting to see because, listen, if they stopped giant bugs from existing, then really we could probably be friends now. That's great. At least I have a mutual respect for them. I'm really happy to hear that because I actually have sent – um a bunch of uh, a bunch of ostriches to your house for you to you know have fun with. Oh no! <laughs> uh, you know what? Lions, the dog, she can play with the ostriches. She'll have a really good time. She really likes chasing other animals. Um, 
but also she's a big softie you know she's uh pushing 60 pounds i saw a 10 pound dog knock her on her behind uh it was ridiculous and hilarious uh i will stay inside i don't need birds taller than me coming at yeah that seems unpleasant fair enough (laughs) this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So we've talked about giant bugs that I personally want to befriend. Joelle is maybe um, more okay with just remaining distant acquaintances acquaintances with these giant bugs, but uh, I have some news stories about animal friendships that I think you will love, and they are truly adorable and wonderful. And Okay. Yes. No, and, and this isn't a trick. It's not a trick. They are adorable and adorable <laughs> by normal people's standards, not by Katie's standards. Because uh, <laughs> I'm like, Velvet Worm, I love you. Be my friend. Um, but yeah. So uh, I found these stories actually from the Smithsonian Channel's uh, Amazing Animal Friends show, <laughs> which uh, it's it sounds it sounds like what it is. It's about okay. animal friends. Uh, but the Twala Trust Animal Sanctuary in Zimbabwe hosts a number of animal rescues, including cats, dogs, owls, monkeys, and more. 
once all animals were saving. Yes, every animal, uh, especially these ones. <laughs> and one such monkey is named Horus, and he is an orphaned oh. vervet monkey with one arm and a determination to make friends. Oh. So a little bit about vervet monkeys. These are adorable little dudes with short black fur on their faces, long fluffy gray, white and tan fur on their bodies. Uh, they are highly social. They live in troops and often maintain long relationships with siblings. And they like to groom each other to establish social bonds, to establish like a friendship. Uh, yeah, so they're very social and Poor Horace found himself at this rescue without a troop of vervet monkeys. Um, oh, no. Right, exactly. So even though the sanctuary did save him, he's all alone here. But that did not stop him from being determined to create a new family. So uh, the dogs at the sanctuary are not your typical dogs because they were ex they're ex-guard dogs uh, so they're not as well socialized with humans or other animals typically very aggressive so when little Horace came up to their enclosure they reacted with aggression barking at him oh, no. uh, you know not not having any of it but he was undeterred and being very smart he looked at the situation and started to strategize. He saw wow. that there was this one old dog kind of lying by herself. She seemed calmer. Uh, her name is Isabel. And he went up to her and she let him start to touch her and to groom her. So he would pick off the fleas and ticks on her coat and she actually found she quite enjoyed it. So uh, he started doing that. Isabel let him do that. She was, <laughs> when you see the video of this, she's very pleased uh, with the situation. And <laughs> so these other dogs were watching and started to notice that, hey, that actually looks pretty good. So then- This dog's getting spa treatments. I would like one too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So- uh, Horace uh, was then able to move on to other dogs. Uh, one of the dogs is just named Computer, which I, I do like. <laughs> uh, so Computer let uh, Horace groom him next. And then uh, that, that sold the rest of the dogs on Horace. And they started to line up uh, for Horace's magical, gentle grooming fingers uh, and uh, which Horace was just so pleased with because now he had his own little troop of dogs who would cuddle with him and play with him. And yeah, they've just completely accepted Horace uh, as a member of their pack. And it's the most wonderful, most adorable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I love that Horace basically is Edward Scissorhands, uh, came in, looked a little different than the dogs. They were unsure uh, about this interesting creature. But then he's making them feel fabulous and loved and like valued. And they were like getting self-love because they were feeling better. And now they're all besties. Oh, that's so sweet. It's truly amazing. And I think it's 
both a testament to the intelligence of this vervet monkey, Horace, because he used his observational skills to sense, like, who who could I kind of make a good opening with? Like, who would be the most receptive? And apparently, according to some of the caretakers at this sanctuary, he pays a lot of attention to the dog's body language and will be very gentle with some dogs that are more afraid of being touched. And I I find that really interesting because obviously humans and dogs have this really long history. And to see a vervet monkey whom we're not that closely related to, they're, they're much further back on the evolutionary tree than humans, be able to develop this strategy to basically get along with these dogs is really interesting to me. It's wild how dogs can be friends with everybody. <laughs> They're really that girl. Um, they're like, here, tiger, play with this dog. And then they do, and they're buddies. Yeah. Well, and, and they can also be friends with monkey. Like, that is incredible. And it's so it's always interesting watching uh, monkeys, like, work with tools and stuff. You're like, wow, I'm really seeing the thinking process. Like, I don't know if you saw that video of the orangutan driving his golf cart around <laughs> or her golf cart. Around the zoo? Yeah, I have. She's like lane switching. Yeah, with the casual arm tossed back behind the headrest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like, it really like, not even humanizes, but really asks you to consider like the personalities of each individual animal and their style and how they learn. And yeah, it's wild. Yeah. There's also uh, the orangutans who will steal soap and then scrub up scrub up with the soap, rub it all over their arms, and then they lick it off, <laughs> which I I think they like the flavor of it. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. They probably like the sensation, the fun soapy sensation, and then they like the flavor of the soap. So uh, real freaks, but Listen, very clean. Who doesn't love cilantro and a clean body? Okay, <laughs> I get it. Our, Come to LA, we have both. Does soap taste like cilantro to you? Uh, it does. I actually like the taste of cilantro, but I feel like if it's tasting like soap to so many people, perhaps that's what the orangutans are looking for. Yeah. You know, look, maybe just try next time, shave a little bit of soap on your pasta dish. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, it's not a recommendation for my heart. No, no don't. No. don't eat Legally soap. speaking, don't do that. But if you have done that in the past, let me know what it was like. Probably bad. Probably tasted bad. <laughs> Don't eat soap. It's not good for you. Unless you're an orangutan. And then I can't tell you what to do. And also, you can't sue me. So, you know, <laughs> here we are. The first orangutan to win in open court. <laughs> oh, so funny. So speaking of dogs being friends with everyone, as you said, Joel, another Zimbabwe Animal Rehab Center uh, has a friendship between a couple of rescued puppy mill Dalmatians and an orphan zebra. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Two Dalmatians and a baby zebra together uh, in total total joy. It's one of those things that seems like not even a Disney movie, like a DreamWorks movie. Not even a DreamWorks movie, like one of those movies that are designed to trick like old people into getting their grandchildren something that like is similar to a new Pixar movie but like yeah 
hey, Dalmatians making friend with a zebra because they're both black and white. Uh, but yeah. I feel like nobody tell Cruella. Uh, <laughs> she's going to be like, stripes and dots? Spring 2022, here we come. <laughs> they come packaged together. Wonderful. Very, uh, very efficient. Yeah. Uh, So at this rescue, there are these two Dalmatians, now adults, but they were rescued as puppies from a puppy mill, uh, which is a real bad situation. Uh, Selective breeding of Dalmatians for that iconic spotted coat has resulted in a number of genetic conditions, such as hearing loss and also painful urinary stones. No. Yeah, it, this seems to happen pretty frequently with breeding where you'll have a dog breed that is trendy or people are trying to select for certain traits based on aesthetics or something really superficial. Mm. And then you get these, you know, often painful or unhealthy uh, characteristics that, you know, just like, what, what's what's the point? What's the purpose of doing that? They're they're sweet dogs. Like the, yeah. Like I my dog is um, she's a pit bully mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, we've seen a lot because we were looking at adopting another one maybe and yeah, seeing what people have done to like the bulldogs with their their hip dysplasia yeah. and their snouts are so compressed and they can't breathe and it's like this is not living. This is not pleasant. Their jaws and teeth are all askew. It's like why. We didn't need to do this. No. It's such a fun, lovable, they've always been adorable breed. Like, uh, yeah, it's really devastating. Yeah, yeah. I, I I, feel like my feelings on dogs is like they're, they've been our best buds for like nearly 100,000 years. I don't understand why we need to make them look a certain way. I think dogs are just inherently cute. It's just like. Yes. Just, just let them just, uh, you know, let's not be so. So weird and anal about having them look a certain way until like they sneeze and their eyeballs fall out. <laughs> like let's uh I agree. You know. Let's dial that in, you know? Just uh it, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh but you know, something, you know, once these dogs are out there, you know, so they, someone's gotta take care of them. And so Indigo and Bindi are two Dalmatian sisters. And uh meanwhile, a zebra named City Boy <laughs> which is I don't know the story behind that name but I do like it city boy the zebra classy uh he was found wandering without his mother who had been eaten by lions uh which you know sad but at least I feel like in that situation at least his mother was killed in sort of you know the circle of life style situation sure sure rather than a bambi sort of situation where it's human human intervention yes, yes. but uh he was rescued with the hopes of releasing him into a large wild reserve uh but without other zebras at the rescue it was hard to make sure that city boy would be able to acclimate to the reserve if he grows too dependent on the presence of humans and this is where indigo and bindi come in they have befriended city boy the zebra and they accompany him on walks throughout the rehab center. Uh, and since there are no wild dogs in the wild reserve area, that will be um, City Boy's future home. It's actually okay that he's lost his natural fear of dogs. 
these Dalmatians will take him on these longer walks around the reserve and give him sort of a bit of independence where he, uh, you know, is, is, uh, gets to kind of live a life. And I have no idea if there's any, if this has anything to do with the fact they're both black and white. That seems unlikely to me. It seems kind of like a coincidence, but I do, I do like the idea of like, hey, kid, I like your style. Let's hang out. Right, right. Oh, you got spots. I got stripes. You're really hitting it off today. This looks yeah. great. I just really like the fact that this zebra gets a second chance. The little baby zebras are so cute. And now the little doggy friends. Um, children's book authors, you can have this one for free. Uh, the story is just out there ready for yeah. you to explore. Like, hey, when tragedy strikes, get a dog is really the answer. <laughs> It will love you and guide you through your recovery. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so cute. I love the fashion of it too, because people are like, "Don't mix prints." I think you should mix prints. I think it's great. It's fashion oh, hundred percent. Mindy Kaling taught us how, yeah. and we're not looking back. We are not. <laughs> I'm Tamika D. Mallory, and it's your boy, my son, the General, and we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but. Same old. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. So more good news uh, actually ties in a little bit with last subject, and it is that the former Tiger King Zoo owners have been banned for life from exhibiting animals. 
Uh, Whoa. Yeah. So remember Tiger King? That mm. yeah. Sure do. That whole thing. That was sure at the do. beginning of the Panino, right? The beginning of the mm-hmm. pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where everyone was fascinated by this documentary because it was just real. It was just real trashy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real. Uh, yeah, it's it's awful. The not proper housing, like not properly making sure they're interacting. Not with just other creatures of their species, but with humans, and then a whole bunch of reckless personal decisions surrounding all of that. Hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. And for people who either haven't seen the show or need a refresher because it was like a billion years ago in pandemic time, um, this, it was like basically there was this guy, Joe Exotic, who ran the, uh, Greater Winnowood Exotic Animal Park, which like had a bunch of tigers who had been captively bred for the purpose of exhibition, but in the worst way possible. So little cubs would be put into petting zoos and just sort of bred solely for the purpose of these petting zoos, mistreated, a lot of malnutrition. And uh, there was also like, a murder mystery thrown into this series because yeah just to make it uh, the full human experience of awfulness <laughs> yeah wow yeah because joe exotic was accused of plotting a murder against his rival carol baskin who owned a big cat rescue and was highly critical of his zoo and he accused carol baskin of murdering her ex-husband and the documentary itself, I'm always skeptical of these kinds of documentaries because I think they want to sell you an intriguing story. Of course, so yeah. I I don't really know. I'm not a detective. I'm, you know, I'm not a tiger, nor am I a detective. And I'm certainly <laughs> not a tiger detective. So I don't really have any. Fortunately, I know. I wish, though, right? Detective Tiger. That would be, you know, that would be incredible. Er, He'd have a be a most amazing hat. Yeah, yeah, and be be like his tagline: "Be earning his stripes, one murder at a time." <laughs> we did it. That's perfect. They're dead. Um. So. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so yeah, the uh. But what I think is pretty clear from the documentary was that the Joe Exotic Zoo is terrible for tigers and other animals there. There was also that poor uh, worker at the zoo who had her arm torn off and everyone acted like that was fine and normal. Uh, But, you know, that's not good to have happen, I don't think. But yeah, she she had her arm torn off by a tiger and uh, which I think is just sort of a you know, a symptom of the larger issue of how this zoo was very, very irresponsibly run. Their enclosures were bad. Like you were mentioning earlier, their diet and nutrition was just like they bought like bargain meat from the grocery store, Mm. which is Mm -hmm. not, I think, what you do. I don't own tigers, but I feel like I'd know not to do that. It's probably good to like actually, you know, Get the food that can sustain them yeah. and not the same meat Taco Bell uses. Yeah. Uh, problems. Yeah, I don't, I, I've never seen a tiger stroll up to Taco Bell and order like a quesadilla deluxe supreme. 
Uh, you know what I mean? So I don't think I don't think that's it would be pretty diet. impressive if he did though. I know. I know. Just a uh, you know, it's probably if it did happen, it'd probably happen at like three AM. The tiger would be just yeah, you know, real out of it. He's like, tired. He went out to hunt, yeah. but he couldn't find anything good. So he's yeah. like, you know what, F it, I'm just going to talk about yeah. I'm tired and I deserve a Baja blast. <laughs> he does deserve a Baja blast. You're right. Totally. Yeah. Uh so you know, I and like honestly, zoos in general, I have mixed feelings about. Even when they're really, really good zoos, right? Because in good zoos, they do their best to really give the animals a good life. They give them really good nutrition and veterinary care, and they raise money for conservation. But even then, uh, it's not ideal for the animals. And I don't even think the zoos themselves uh, kid themselves in that respect. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, how would you ever have a zoo that's like a great ideal place for an elephant? Because they need so much space. It's just, it's kind of, in a way, I think, impossible to have a zoo that's like ideal. Uh, That's not to say that I think all zoos are bad. I think that a lot of them uh, do a lot in terms of both education and conservation that I think it is worth it. But it's still not an ideal situation. And so you have that whole moral quandary. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have this Joe Exotic Zoo, which was just, you know, an atrocity, like horrible. These lions would have twisted bones because they had calcium deficiency. It's just awful. So the fact that the the previous... So, of course, Joe Exotic is in jail uh, for... Apparently, plotting to murder Carol Baskin again. I'm not a, a, a tiger attorney, so you know I can't <laughs> can't speak to uh, any kind of legal, you know, discussion. But he certainly did not deserve to have a a zoo because he was no. bad at that and abusive. Definitely not good at that. Yeah, and then like the people he left the zoo. T- to take care of, like his former partner, they have also been banned for life from exhibiting animals. What a victory for tigers everywhere. Yeah. That tiger lawyer really showed up and did what they <laughs> needed to do. We were lucky she was in our corner. Uh, tiger lawyer, attorney at law. Uh, is that anything? <laughs> is that anything? <laughs> I, it made me laugh. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Well, if you enjoyed it, it's worth it. Definitely worth it. Yay. Uh, but I think in a weird twist, the exotic animal park is now in the possession of none other than Carol Baskin, uh, who... Are you for real? Yeah. Uh, the saga continues. The saga continues. And she is the owner of, I think, Big Paw Rescue. And, of course, she has been accused of murdering her former husband and feeding him to her tigers. But... I don't think there's any hard evidence of this being true. No, that's entirely hearsay at this point. Yeah. And like, I feel kind of, I feel weird watching this documentary because it's like, it's a compelling story. But given that there's, that this is just complete wild speculation, there's an extremely Mm -hmm. good chance that Carol Baskin is just a nice lady who likes to rescue tigers and then people were like oh, called out an injustice when she saw it right she was like hey this guy's not taking care of these potentially dangerous and like these wildlife animals who who deserve proper care uh and then he got salty about it and tried to run from air when he wasn't 
was it mayor or governor something he was not equipped to do it's a it's a hot mess it really maybe should have been it's been more profile on joe exclusively yeah um but either way i'm exceedingly glad that uh these people can no longer be involved in taking care of tigers yeah yeah no that's it, that's a big victory for tigers and i'm sorry carol baskin uh her rescue is big cat rescue not big paw rescue that's there's probably a rescue called Big Paw Rescue, um, probably not associated with a murder mystery. Although, I don't know. It seems like any time you get into the sort of exotic animal trade, uh, mm. there's a lot of weird stuff because, you know, people who, I mean, not not in terms of the rescue organizations, they're they're trying to undo something bad that has happened. But yeah, just like these... People that own tigers as like pets or entertainment, weird, weird, like almost cult-like stuff going on. Yeah, we definitely should not uh, be allowing that, I don't think. I really feel like uh, wild animals <laughs> really have to be regulated better. Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot of illegal practices happening around it. Um, and I get the desire behind it. Like how cool... In theory, again, not in actual practice, but in theory, it's way right. cool to own a tiger. Like, wow, what a status symbol. How did you do it? Yeah. Is it re truly domesticated? But then when you think about the actual life of the animal and they're not meant to be in homes or collared, really, or any of that, like, let them live. Yeah. Better ridiculous. idea. Better idea. Tiger onesie for your dog. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, now I need to do that for my dog. I just realized I said it out loud and the words made it <laughs> necessary to have it become a Lions reality. has to get spayed. And so I want to buy her a, um, you know, like the cones dog wears after they have surgery. Yeah. But there's one in the shape of a lion's mane. Aww. Turn her into a little lion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the things we do to our dogs. Humiliate them. She loves Public it. Humiliation. No, they do love it. It's they cute. love it. They have no shame. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like putting a newborn in a pumpkin. Okay. It's <laughs> just a stage of life. My first Halloween costume was a big pumpkin. So, Mine too. You know. Oh, you too. That's just the, that's yeah. Like and the that was a teddy standard. bear. Yeah. That's those are the yeah. gold standards for baby costumes. Just like yeah, make make them a pumpkin. Yeah. The Joe Exotics reign of terror i think is over maybe and then now hopefully carol baskin does a better job of you know rescuing these tigers uh i hope so i hope uh we'll have to hear about any more tigers being mistreated or, or not being taken care of she seems to really 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 care i mean all of her outfits are like tiger and cheetah themed which is <laughs> which is fun uh yeah, I don't know. I, 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 again, as we stated at the top of the podcast, I am not in the highly optimistic headspace right now. We're just going to have to see what happens. But I will hope for the best. You, you just got to hope that this will be the year that Tigers maybe get a win. Truly. And they need it. They do. They need yeah. it. So before we go, on to our Mr. Animal Sound Game. Guess who's squawking? Every week, Let's do it. I play a mystery animal sound, and you guess who is a squawkin'. And 
So last week, actually probably the week before last week, because I think I took a little break and did an oldie but goodie episode. Uh, but before then, I had left you guys with a mystery animal sound, and the hint was a trio of big babies who really wish you understood their point. And here is the sound. <laughs> Were you able to hear that? Yeah, it's wild. What do you think is making that sound, Joelle? Okay, so when I close my eyes, I get two separate images. The first one is small and furry and this and it's just like but the other one is sort of like a bird and it's squawking and it's a little terrifying. I'm trying <laughs> to think if there's an animal in between those two things. <laughs> and what I'm coming up with is a baby platypus. Wow. I love that guess. And I love the the way that you <laughs> arrived at it. And now that I'm trying to imagine a baby platypus making that sound, and I do love it, um, you are you are wrong, but in a really fun way. So I feel like you still deserve Yay. points for that. Thank you. But uh, congratulations to the fastest guessers, uh, Shayna S., Dial B, and yet again, Auntie B, who, uh, Auntie B is officially, I think, the fastest and most accurate animal gisser. I think she might actually be a real-life barn owl who can hear a field mouse miles away. <laughs> um, but congratulations, you guys. You all guessed baby rhinos. And yes, these are... A baby rhino? A trio oh of baby God. rhinos. And they are squeaking and squonking because they're hungry and they want to be fed milk. Someone feed them, please. <laughs> they're starving. Oh, my God. I love a little baby rhino. They have big old ears <laughs> and their little blunt noses. And they kind of, oh, my God, they so cute. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. The, I did not know what noise they made, but I, I feel much better as a person, as a human being. I, You know what? It's restored some hope and faith in yeah. the world. 2022. Maybe 2022 won't be so bad. The, the energy that uh, we're going to bring into 2022 is giant bugs and squeaking rhinos, I think. You know? Ugh, bless us. But yeah, there, there. It's that that squeak, squeak, squonk sound they're making is similar to when your cat meows at you because she wants food, uh, and that's mm. exactly what they're doing to this caretaker. Is they are demanding that she feed them, and letting her know that they are gonna die if she doesn't feed them in like two seconds. So. That is, uh, it's adorable, it's wonderful, and on to this week's mystery animal sound. Uh, here is the hint. If you think this is a bird or a dog, you're barking up the wrong tree. In fact, you shouldn't be looking in trees at all, but in burrows. I'm going chipmunk because I'm, I'm pretty sure it burrows. It sounds somewhat like the gnashing of teeth, but less scary. 
The little squeak at the end of little it. Little squeakies. Little squeaks. Little From squeakies. rhino squeaks to some mystery squeaks. That's a great guess. Uh, but I will reveal the answer next week uh, in the next episode of Creature Feature. Thank you so much for joining me today, Joelle. It's so good to have you back. Uh, where can the people find you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was another great episode. I'm so glad I got to be here this morning. Um, you guys can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. It's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. And thank you guys so much for listening. You can find the show on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That's something very different. Uh, and you can email me at CreatureFeaturePod at gmail.com. And if you think you know what this week's animal mystery sound is, please do email me. Uh, you can also tweet at me on Instagram, but the most certain way that I'm going to see what you write to me is through the email. So CreatureFeaturePod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, if you are enjoying the show and you leave a rating or review, I will be eternally grateful. I will squeak like those baby, baby rhinos squeak just out of pure joy. Um, and I read all the reviews and they really mean so much to me to see what you guys think of the show. And thank you so much to the Space Caustics for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature features a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you hear your favorite shows. And check out the podcasts that Joel produces. They're amazing. See you next Wednesday. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.